that Gone Girl was a book first, right? They say, did you watch the movie? They saw the movie. She just wanted to be the Gone Girl from the movie. I'm like, it was a book. It was a book turned into a movie. Based on Scott Peterson. Like, right. this is not Gone Girl. I don't know no. what movie these idiots saw, but it was not Gone Girl. Or a book they didn't read. It was a book first. I read the book. How dare you? <laughs> Julia Pensavalli. Hi, Patrick Hines. Welcome to our book club. It's a, we're, Today we're reading club. Gone Girl. <laughs> you guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge. I'm going to say that clearly. Download and binge. Thank you for enunciating so that people don't think you're saying download a bitch. But you can also download a bitch. You know right. what I mean? You can do both. It's Yeah, come on. Tell them what we're doing. We just finished Relentless. I have never seen the Facebook go so crazy I know. as they did for Relentless. I think it's because a lot of people hadn't heard about it and then everyone in the Facebook group was talking about it. And then had a lot of feelings because yeah. everything happens and nothing happens at once. Um, right. <laughs> so on the Patreon, we're wrapping up Relentless and then to treat ourselves, we're going to Chippendales right after because we've earned it. Is this like a murder mystery about the Chippendales? It's about the curse of the Chippendales. There's a lot. Okay. There's like like murder for hires. There's uh-huh. like fraud. There's racism, obviously. Because uh, God knows you can't have greased up men without a little racism. No. I'm sure there's some homophobia thrown in there as well. Sure, yeah, why not? But you guys, we're also talking All Be Gone in the Dark. We're talking Tiger King. Uh, the Vow, The Jinx, Making a Murderer, The Staircase. Serial Season 1, the Scott Peterson thing where they say you might be innocent, Jody Arias. Heaven's Gate. Don't Mess with Cats. Did we do that Cecil Hotel one there or did we do that on the regs? We did it on the regs because that was a big old nothing burger, so we made four episodes into two. One other thing, you guys. Jillian and I are playing Broadway April 11th. If you want to come to the show, we are sold out. I'm really hoping if you can't make it and you have tickets, you're going to get into the Facebook group. You're going to find the post where you can sell your tickets to somebody looking. There's hundreds of people looking for tickets so you can easily unload yours. Yeah. We hired a Broadway director, girl. It's going to be bananas. We had a rehearsal. There's like going to be <laughs> dancing dancers around us. And I, I think Dan- I d- dancing dancers. I'm very nervous. Can you tell? All right, girl, what are we talking? This is bananas. What? Tell me what we're talking about today. We're talking about the 2020 episode called Taken. It is. Did you know this case? No, I just read the book, Gone Girl, which is a completely <laughs> different case. Um, and the coming up on, someone's like, we're talking about goggles and wetsuits. I mean, never in my entire career have I, I seen something like this. And I'm like, wait, what is going on? And th- if they mentioned Gone Girl once, they mentioned it a thousand times. This is a crazy story about a home invasion. A 29-year-old woman being abducted from her boyfriend's home in the middle of the night doesn't happen. People were terrified. This ninja is suddenly in their bedroom waking them up. I've been covering crime for more than two decades. I've never seen anything like it. I feel like I am some character in this crime drama. I'm like in a movie. The frogman obviously didn't do it. So who did it now? Not only do they tell you they don't believe you, They say, we think you killed her. He is the closest person and the last person to have seen Denise alive. You know where she is. I don't know where she is. (laughs) I'm telling the truth. I know the craziest thing. I told him, look, this is going to be a nightmare, and there's no way you're going to be able to pinch yourself and wake up. So it opens in 2015. We're in a place called Mare Island. We meet a very, very handsome young man named Aaron. 
That's all. We also meet another handsome man named Matt Murphy who was in The Dating Game Killer and was in Dateline in a Lonely Place. He was the surfer lawyer. Yeah, so he's one of our talking heads, the surfer lawyer. I will never right? get over that. The right? surfer lawyer. That's him. That's Matt Murphy. Hey, Matty Murphs. But this guy, Aaron, he's a physical therapist. He bought a house on this place called Mare Island. It's part of Vallejo. Every time they say Vallejo, all I can think about is the ear aunts, Golden State Killer, Zodiac. You guys don't live there. It's a very dangerous place to live. <laughs> Except for our amazing listeners in Vallejo. Obviously. I know. I mean, you guys are doing great. No, but we meet this couple at the center of this, Aaron and Denise, they're both physical therapists. My dad's a doctor of physical therapy. So I was kind of like, oh, whenever I see physical therapists in the wild, I always get like, oh, hey, girl. Hey. Wait, do you have to be hot to be a physical therapist? Is that a prereq? I guess so, huh? Right? <laughs> we got Till Pensavali. We got Aaron and Denise. Both physical therapists, you guys. Gorge. I gotta say, too, when, we, when we're learning about this house that Aaron bought on Mare Island, I knew this story a little because I had listened to the podcast version of this episode a while ago. I cannot believe how close his house is to his neighbors based on what's about to happen. Oh, yeah. I thought the house was, like, in the middle of a fucking field or something, but he's, like, feet away from his neighbors, and what's about to happen is fucking bananas. Yeah. So our main host here is Amy Robach. She's a 2020 anchor and she yeah. does a very like news lady delivery. She goes, this is one of the most incredible, unforgettable stories I have ever covered. And it begins as a love story. And it begins as a love story. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, Aaron and Denise are both physical therapists. She's moved to this town to, like, take a residency at the place where Aaron works. And when they meet, Aaron had just broken up with his fiance, whose name we never get, by the way. Never. <laughs> and I have many a question for unnamed fiance. <laughs> Many, many. Because so they broke off their engagement because she was having an affair. Again, according to Aaron, we never meet her. We don't know her side of the story. That's true. And Aaron meets Denise very soon after this very traumatic breakup. And he's like attracted to her, but he doesn't trust himself anymore. And I'm like, what? I thought she's the one who cheated. What's going on? Yeah. And Denise like really likes him too. And she's sort of like, I knew that he would be a great partner, but like I could see he was struggling with the breakup. They're spending time together. And like, I think things are moving pretty fast. Even Denise's dad is like, girl, yeah. be careful. I don't want to see you get hurt. This guy's on the rebound big time. Just be aware. And we also meet Aaron's mom. And the only thing she cares about is that Aaron has a new girlfriend who looks just like his ex <laughs> So we meet Jane and Mary, yeah. both of their moms. And they're like, Aaron brought Denise up to visit. And she was very pleasant, very nice, seemed smart, looked a little bit like his ex fiance was happy that he had another girlfriend. The relationship was fine. Like, yeah. they were both pretty pleasant. <laughs> and Aaron's mom, you're absolutely right. I have in my notes, she's just happy that he's dating someone else yeah. who just so happens to look exactly like the ex who broke his heart. This is never going to end well. Here's something that we need to get out of the way right at the top. We were talking about this off mic. Aaron and Denise, the two people that this happened to, are kind of bland. They're kind of bland. <laughs> they are as lovely as they are boring, which yeah. is to say extremely. <laughs> They're the kind that I bet like to go like snowshoeing. You know what I mean? There are times where I'm like, they're suspiciously unemotional. And I'm like, oh no, they're just boring. They're just boring. And it's one of those things where it's like, see, you really can't judge about how someone reacts to something because sometimes they're just boring. It's true. They are also lovely. I want to stress that. They are lovely, but they're boring. And they're both hot. It's like God really doesn't give with both the left and the right hands. You know Mm. what I mean? Well, I I don't know. (laughs) 
Come on. Oh, somebody's got some opinions about God's gifts. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't know. I went from having a shitty day to feeling really confident all of a sudden. I was going to be like, hey, I'm not boring and I'm hot. What? Totally. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes God does give with both hands. Thank you so much. You're I know. welcome. Thanks for, thanks for looking right at me when you said it. Um, so they're together seven months, Aaron and Denise. I guess Aaron's getting over this ex. Kind of. Or is he? Or is he? Because Denise has a sneaking suspicion that Aaron wasn't being honest with her. And Denise, in no uncertain terms, she goes, yeah. I checked his phone and I yep. saw that he'd been texting his ex that he wants to get back together. And she says it so casually. And this is where I'm like, well, how, what a weird emotional response. No, she's just boring. Again, I say that with love. Also, though, we're going to be with her for... 90 minutes and this is by far the least shitty thing that happens to her in those 90 minutes I, I mean you honestly I mean? this is just a build up GP <laughs> she can't get mad about everything <laughs> no I know I know I know to be fair like Denise can do whatever the fuck she wants she's awesome truly she's awesome I'm sorry yeah. Denise if you're listening I'm sorry that I said you were boring sometimes facts are facts I do think you're also awesome so totally just for a visual like Aaron and Denise are sitting next to each other so Denise is like I snooped I saw that he was texting his ex and Aaron goes when she she found the text message. I was at crossroads of my my life. I, I needed to make a change. I finally just put my foot down and said, "Look, I I don't deserve this." And um, it was a couple of weeks of kind of going back and forth, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I wanted to hear him out. I uh. I was at a crossroads uh, at that time. <laughs> and Denise is like, I knew I didn't deserve this. I knew I deserved better, but I decided to hear him out anyway. They are next to each other. Can I tell you also, I am a firm believer that if you are in a relationship where you cannot, with your partner's full confidence, take their phone out of their hands at any second and go through emails and texts, get out of that relationship. I would never have anything on my phone that Steve couldn't just like pluck out of my hands and, and scroll through and see. I will specifically say around the holidays, around my sure. birthday, yes. I'll say okay, like, wait fine. a second, Hold on, hold on. Oh, only because, like, is there a confirmation email about something? Right. But otherwise, like, because of that, I have never had the urge to look through Mike's phone. Not one single time. No, same. And it's like, look, if you feel the urge to snoop, snoop. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Because Denise, boring and gorgeous, decided she needed to snoop and she was right. Right. And she's like, I know I deserve better than this. And so Aaron convinces her to kind of hear him out. So it's 2015, March 22nd. Denise is like, fine, I'll come over. And angels that she is, she brings the pizza, okay? So she's being very, very forgiving already. And just last minute that Sunday, it's like, you know what, I'll just, I'll come over and I'll, I'll see what you have to say and, and we'll go from there. I brought a pizza and we sat on the couch most of the night and talked. Do you notice what's missing from this scene? This is how we know they're kind of boring. Because she didn't bring red wine for the pizza? No booze of any kind. Like, you're <laughs> not even going to start with a cocktail. You know what I mean? For the conversation of like, why are you texting your ex? Your ex-fiance. Like, that's a heavy conversation. Yeah, give yourself a vodka tonic. You're going to sit for five hours on a couch talking to somebody and not have a drink? Well, let me tell you, they didn't need it because they right. talk about rebuilding <laughs> trust. And bada bing, bada boom, they're back together and she sleeps over that night, right? Yeah. So, and Aaron's like, we went to bed feeling that there's work to do, but a fresh start. They both just wanted to be together. That's really what happened. I gotta say, like, they're young, they're hot. They both love their jobs. They're in the same field. They get each other. This makes sense to me. Yeah, sure. I am pro snooping. I am pro second chance. Great. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're snooping, chances yeah. are that second chance is right around the bend. So, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So 3 a.m., this is the shit of nightmares, you guys. Sometime around 3 a.m., they wake up to a voice that says, wake up, this is a robbery. 
this ninja is suddenly in their bedroom waking them up. And the first thing that, that this person says is, we're not here to hurt you. This is financial. Matt Murphy, hottie surfer lawyer guy, says, and I quote, there is a ninja in their bedroom waking them up. And I said, ninja? Yeah, Matt Murphy, don't do that. That's, no. don't say that. <laughs> Let me say something. If you are just there to rob someone, just rob them. It's better for you if you don't wake them up. Just snoop around, steal what you're going to steal. And I know this is different, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, don't break into someone's house in the dead of night and wake them up by telling them that you're robbing them. Just rob them. Or don't. Or get Simply Safe and don't. I don't know. Girl, Simply Safe is back. Here's the thing, though. They live on a street where their neighbor's houses are four feet on either side. Like, mm. the, the nerve of these fucking robbers. So what he does, this, quote, ninja, Matt Murphy, woof. Woof. Don't the ninjas give her... How about we don't say ninjas? If we are yelling at Matt Murphy, why don't we just say the robbers? They're not like expertly trained martial artists. They're no. fucking robbers right. and rapists. Yeah. Like, let's not do this. Yeah. No. And so these intruders give Denise zip ties. They tell her to like tie up Aaron. She does it. And then like... They tie her up. They put her up in the closet. And then she goes, they help Aaron hop over yeah. and put him in the closet too because Aaron was already tied up. And she says on the way to the closet she sees two sets of legs from two people. This becomes important. She is saying there was at least two people involved in this. So put that in the back of your mind. And so they're in the closet. Aaron says he can hear a drill downstairs. You hear a drill going on in one part of downstairs and people going through my cabinet. Well, I was hoping was that they're stealing stuff. It's like they're looking through the floorboards. Like they're looking for something really specific it seems. So then horrifyingly they put goggles on them with black tape so like they really can't see anything. Then they give them these headphones with messages. There was these pre-recorded messages giving us instructions. What did those pre-recorded messages say? That they were gonna give us a sedative and if we didn't take it, they would inject it intravenously. This is an organized, planned event. And Aaron's headphones say Aaron quick to the window, to which I said, I'm like, bitch, you just tied my hands and my feet and threw me in the closet. I can't get to the window. This is also a lot of work for a robbery. Like you're, you're recording. <laughs> I know. You get the headphones and the gut. Like what is it? It's, it seems like as organized as it is, because Matt Murphy's like, it's organized. It's planned. They knew Aaron's name. I'm like, it seems like nothing makes sense at the same time. And can I also point out that these two are physical therapists? Why do they think that they are like cat? rich. Like, how much money do physical therapists make that you're going to go through this much trouble? Like, aren't there actual rich people you could go rob? You know what I mean? I mean, they do okay. I'm sure they do fine, but, like, we end up learning that this guy's trying to get less than 20 grand. Yeah. Like, when he goes for the cash, it's less than $20,000, to which I'm like, this does not seem worth it to me. So they, they move Denise to what is called the router room, which I guess is just the room where he puts the router for the internet. She gets another recording where she's told in this recording, we're going to ask personal financial information, and if we think you're lying, we're going to cut your partner's face and give them electric shocks. Like, no, they're not. You know what I'm saying? Like, as organized as this is, it does feel like, wait, what? Like, did a seven-year-old write this? <laughs> right. Like, what's going on? Like, nothing really is connecting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the robbers are like, oh, no. The intruder says, we have a problem. And he says to Aaron, do Denise and your ex-fiance look alike? And he knew your ex-girlfriend's name. Yeah, I just let out. This is like guttural sigh. I was like, yes, they both have long blonde hair. And so we got the wrong intel. They're not there for Denise and Aaron. They're there for Aaron and his ex-fiance. 
The robbers are there for the ex. Uh, First of all, what did I she know. do? Why do they want her? Like former lottery winner? Right, like, like, exa- what? like what? former lo- lottery, lottery winner <laughs> and supposed hussy, Aaron's ex. <laughs> no, we, we don't slut shame here. It's just fun to say hussy sometimes. No. So yeah. <laughs> Denise hears this and she's like, so robbery off? It's called off? We good? Part of me had hoped if, if this is the wrong person, um, maybe they'll just leave. Am I good to go? You want to just take these fucking creepy ass goggles uh, yeah. off my face? Like, cool. My other thing, too, is like when this ordeal is all over, I need to know that the ex fiance reached out to Denise and was like, girl, I am so sorry. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's not her fault, but a what? Wow. Like, what a fucking tragic case of mistaken identity. Oh, my God. Right. And then she's like, so. We're good then. All right, it's all called off. And they're like, no, absolutely not, girl. Nope, 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 So they tell Denise, we're going to take you for 48 hours while Aaron does everything we need him to do. And Amy, our host, is like, oh, Denise, you should never (laughs) go. That's never a good sign when they take you to a second location. I'm on 2020. They're going to kill you. It's never a good outcome when you're taken to a second location. No. I thought that it was probably the beginning of the end of my life. And I could only imagine what was in store for me. I was like, somebody watches Oprah. That's where I learned. And you never let them take you to the second location, you guys. Good information for me now, Amy, says Denise, like <laughs> 10 years after this fucking ordeal. And she's like, yeah, Amy, I assumed I was going to die. Like, thanks. I know. And I'm thinking, like, she's boring, but like put together. Like, how do you, how does one recover from this? She's great. I yes. feel really bad about how many times I said she was boring. Okay. <laughs> she's smart. She's pretty. Not like that matters, but she is. And like, yeah. she's just like, she's more together. Let me tell you. She is more together after these 48 hours than I am today. So, yes, I agree. Denise, you're awesome. Fuck, we're a mess, GP. A mess. I am. It's amazing that I'm even here and and standing upright. So the robbers move Aaron to the couch and they're like, hey, there's a camera watching his every move. There's a perimeter on the floor. He can't leave a certain area. Because they're saying like they've mounted an actual camera. And like if you go outside of this perimeter that we've taped off, we will know and we will fucking hurt Amy. If you communicate with anybody, we'll hurt her. And if you call the cops, we will kill her. And so then they duct tape him and they're like, hey, girl, are you comfortable? And he's like, actually, you know what? I am a little chilly. I have a cardigan in the other room. <laughs> And, they're, and the guy who's duct taping him, asking him if he's comfortable, is like, oh, shit, I didn't realize how cold it was in here because, you know, we're wearing those wetsuits. Cut to Matt Murphy, who's like... Wetsuits. That is a brilliant thing for a criminal to do because you're not going to leave any trace evidence. And I'm like, shut up, Matt Murphy. Shut your gorgeous mouth. Shut up. <laughs> don't tell him that. Stop telling people how to do this, Matt Murphy. Get on a surfboard and don't tell him. <laughs> The intruder explains to him that they're going to communicate with him via text and email, specifically to an email account that they've set up. So they have Aaron call out of work for slash as Denise, just saying that she's not going to make it. And then they have like a full to-do list for Aaron. But they've also given him a fucking sedative. So he's able to like call out of work for himself. He texts out of work for her. And then he fucking passes out on the couch. And then it's 5 a.m. And then he wakes up at 1130. And I'm like, pretty weak sedative, no? (laughs) I know. It was probably just like fucking Tylenol PM. So Aaron wakes up. It's 1130. The intruders are gone. Aaron is alone with a phone. And this is when Aaron suddenly out of the clear blue sky realizes, oh, oh my God, my brother's in the FBI. Maybe I should call him. (laughs) 
I was like, this is the luckiest fucking coincidence I've ever heard. Because, like, the intruders are demanding money from him via text. If we see you trying to communicate with anybody, we're going to fucking kill your girlfriend. And he's like, do I text my brother? Do I not? Here's the thing. The urgency for FBI brother Ethan is very low. Very low this whole time. Imagine this agonizing period of time. Finally, he makes the decision. I've got to call Ethan, his brother who works for the FBI. His brother instructs him that they always tell you this, to not call 911. They tell you they're going to track you, but you need to call 911 right now. Ethan's like, dummy, hang up immediately and call the cops. They always say they're tracking you. They always say not to call the cops. I'm in the FBI. I'm telling you fucking call them. But Eth, Eth, Broski, are you coming over to, like, are you coming over to fucking save your, like, it's as though Ethan is at breakfast with his wife and he's like, oh, get this. Denise has been kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Aaron's tied to the couch. I'm telling him. Classic Aaron. <laughs> Classic Aaron. Classic fucking Aaron tied to the couch me. again. And then, like, he tells him to call the cops, puts his phone back down and goes back to his coffee. Ethan. Well, I think what is really happening is that Ethan is traveling to where Aaron is because we eventually see him. I'd love to be told that. I would love a I little know. information. About, like, I know. We got an FBI brother now entering the chat. Can we get a little more information about what he did after getting the text from Broski? Yeah, there are a couple of things right in the beginning where I'm like, really, Aaron? How interesting. <laughs> like, it doesn't look great for Aaron for a little bit. Yeah. So the intruders got there at 5 a.m. By 1.50, Aaron calls 911. I thought he woke up at 11.30. I don't know. Well, because he's like, he's standing there struggling. Like, do I call 911? Do I not? If I do it, like, they might fucking kill her. And the cops show up and they, like, immediately don't believe him. I did not see this coming. Oh, well, it's always the husband, right? That's right. that's what they're going on. It's just like, the story is just so crazy. You couldn't fucking make it up, but nobody believes him. And he says the cops notice right away there's a clean scent in the hallway, like the hallway had just been vacuumed. They see a small amount of blood on the bed sheet. The comforter is missing. Aaron is in possession of Denise's phone. His car is missing. And now they're like, he's waited like a substantial period of time to call 911. The officers think this is like a domestic violence murder. They think it's a Chris Watts situation. They see all the components of what you might expect to see objectively in a domestic violence murder. Eventually those officers seem to soften a little bit and they tell me they were gonna take me to the station to give a statement. Then we're back with Brother Ethan. Brother Ethan texts the mother. He's like, by the way, Denise has been kidnapped. Aaron's at the police station. He's the prime suspect. If you're going to connect with your parent and tell them about the fucking murder kidnap plot that's going on in your family, could you call her? Like... Did he throw in an LOL after that? Very cash. You know, like when you're texting on the iPhone, it suggests like emojis for you. Yes. You know, like Denise has been kidnapped and it shows you a trunk. You know, yes. like. That's how Britney Spears <laughs> writes all of those like fucking scalding hot oh, notes my God. to her fucking dumbass sister, Jamie Lynn, who I hate, by the way. But like Britney always says yes to the suggested emoji, which I kind of love. <laughs> I know. Because it's like, it's like, oh, you broke my heart. And it's like a chain link and a heart. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Britney. Express yourself finally. Because this is a callback to an earlier TCO episode, we can talk about Britney Spears for two seconds. Yeah. Her Instagram is a mess. The world is falling apart around her. Like, I'm glad that she's free, but I hope that she has like people who love her around her is all I'm saying. I'm still extremely concerned for, for Ms. Britney Spears, for Queen Britney. Like, let me be the conservator. Like, she could do whatever she wants. I'm just going to make sure she doesn't die by accident. Yeah, I super need Jamie to keep her fucking mouth shut, though. <laughs> Both Jamies, not a fan at all. So now Aaron, of course, down at the station, they gave him what he calls prison clothes. When I first went to the police station, they take DNA samples and they tell me that they have to take my clothes. So I go, that's fine. Take it. They hand me a pair of pants and a shirt. And I look down at these pants. 
and it says Solano County Prison yeah. on it. And I realized that the prison clothes. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. Aaron wears the shit out of those prison clothes. He looks good in the prison clothes. You love Aaron. He's got a body yaddy yaddy. I just, I, I'm into it. All right. Well, okay. he's not the murderer. I'm allowed to like him. I was going to say, not only is he not the murderer, he's very, very taken. He and Denise are very happy to back off. But also taken. That's the name of the episode. Oh, my God. I didn't even see. He's very taken and also taken. And also you know was I mean? taken. Oh, no, yeah. she was taken. But anyway. She was t- <laughs> but everyone shut up because Detective Matt Mustard is here, who has been called Colonel Mustard ever since he joined I the force know, and probably yeah. earlier. And Mustard is trash. So I'm going to call him Mustard or Colonel Mustard. He's garbage. So immediately, they're like trying really hard to play bad cop, bad cop. And Uh it's just a little over the top mustard. He starts asking questions about Denise and, oh, you guys were having problems. And the tone starts to change. I mean, did she like discover something? Well, I mean, was uh, she like going through your phone and like, you know, what the hell is this? through my phone. What'd she find? Found text messages. What'd it say? Um, I mean, I still care to So they're asking about their relationship with Denise, which also, like, we have to be fair. Of course, you're going to grill the guy about if this was any other documentary, Uh like that fucking piece of shit. What'd you do to her? Right. And I was saying that, too, that, like, it is kind of great that they're not believing him right away, that, like, they are on her side because technically, officially, they're on her side thinking that he has done something to her. Right. But they will learn later. They immediately did something wrong before they even talked to Aaron. So, like, that's that's where all of this rage and just like, well, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt at all. No, no. So, and Aaron's like, yes, look, I was texting my ex and we were having this conversation about it. He's super honest. And the cops are like, she found the text, huh? What'd she say? She get mad? But she got mad at him. Yeah, and it is one of those things where, like, we're seeing all this surveillance video, and Aaron is unbelievably calm. He knows his fucking girlfriend's in a trunk somewhere, yeah. maybe murdered, maybe being beaten, who knows? And he is being very calm, trying to give them the information so that they will believe him, and right. it is not working. The story you're telling here, I buy it all. You got to think about how this is all going to play out. I don't have anything to think about. I'm telling you what. Okay, listen to me. There ain't no frogmen came into your house. Nobody dressed in wetsuits or it didn't happen. And the information is bizarre, right? Yeah. So, like, the things he has to calmly say are like, oh, these guys in wetsuits came in and put goggles on us, to which Colonel Mustard is like, I'm buying it. Ain't no frogman came into your house. <laughs> so then I googled frogman. Uh, a frogman, according to Wikipedia. A uh-huh. frogman is someone who is trained in scuba diving or swimming underwater in a tactical capacity that includes military and in some European countries, police work. Mustard, guess what, bitch? That's exactly who that was that's exactly who that fucking that's was. exactly who it fucking ends up being mustard you piece of shit you piece of shit and then it cuts to like as we're all learning that like that aaron is the prime suspect it cuts to his mother we were telling him what a good kid he was they kept asking has he ever got angry as he you know has he done drugs as a teenager he was easy he was the quarterback for the high school he got voted as the boy of the year. And she's like, he couldn't be a killer. He was a quarterback of the high school football team, and he was named boy of the year. By me, every year, <laughs> says mom. Boy of the year is the gayest thing I have ever heard. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. It sounds like she gives it to him on his birthday every year. I don't know. <laughs> Who's my boy of the year? Who's my little boy of the year? I <laughs> but God knows if she didn't do it. He'd get mad. <laughs> Boy of the year. Oh, my God. So then the cops are like, just say it, Aaron. You pushed her down the stairs. You had weird sex. He didn't mean it, but you killed her. And then you called us. And it's like everything you're saying is 
just as bizarre as the frogmen. Like nothing, no theory here makes any sense. And then, of course, we got to do the fucking Lacey Peterson, Scott Peterson thing for 10 minutes. Wait, wait, wait. Because Cur- <laughs> Colonel Mustard goes, he goes, did you hear about that, uh, that Lacey Peterson and Scott, whatever the hell his name is? Did you watch the Lacey Peterson, Scott, whatever the hell his name was? Did you watch that story in the public out of Modesto? Mustard even brings up the Lacey Peterson case. Mustard, Lacey <laughs> Peterson and Scott Peterson connect the fucking dots. I and know. Look, I know I not know. everyone takes their spouse's name. You're talking to a Heinz and a yes. Pensavale with a Smith and a Tipton, okay? But uh, Mustard is not a guy who's like smashing traditional gender roles, but he's screaming at Aaron that like he's the next Scott Peterson. And Mustard's going to make him the next Scott Peterson. Right. He's like, you need to admit to this thing or I'm going to have to make you look like a monster. I don't want to fucking do that. So who did it now? Well, it's the guy that I've been sitting here talking to tonight. So now I get out my puzzle pieces and I start figuring out, okay, how do I make it so you look like a monster? I don't want to do that. Ultimately, I'm looking for the truth. So then Mustard's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Denise's parents and I'm going to tell them that she's dead and that you killed her. I'm not looking for a live Denise. I'm looking for a dead Denise. And I'm like, holy shit, are you bad at your job? He's not threatening this. He fucking does it. We see Denise's parents are like, he called us and told us that like Denise is missing. The husband's in custody and we should expect the fucking worst. Right. So now the FBI is here, not FBI Ethan, because the FBI wants Aaron to take a polygraph. And I'm like, why are we still doing this? They're bullshit. Why is the FBI still doing this? And he agrees. And he says now that if he hadn't been so sleep deprived, he probably would have said no because he knows they're bullshit. But we literally see them administering this test. And at the end, this FBI agent is like, there's no question in my mind that you failed that test and you failed it miserably. I did not do anything. Okay. I did. I, I'm pretty sure maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't, didn't do. Anything. Maybe you didn't, didn't do anything. anything maybe maybe she something happened to her that you didn't plan. Maybe she, I don't know. You tell me. I, but it can't start with three guys showing up at the house taking it taking her away. That's not what happened. You know where she is. I don't know where she is. I can't believe how close this guy is to. Aaron. His chair is at an angle to Aaron's. He's got one leg between Aaron's legs, and he's in his fucking face. This is how false confessions happen. Patrick, I have in my notes we're watching how false confessions happen. He's sleep deprived. He doesn't have a lawyer. He's traumatized. The FBI guy is screaming in his face. Like he might have the privilege to not fall for like how these false confessions go. But think about Brendan Dassey being treated this way or Jesse Miss Kelly. Like people with low IQs, people who like aren't prepared to defend themselves, people who are fucking children. Like this is what they do. Yeah. Young kids, the Central Park Five. Come on. So what happens is brother Ethan finally gets in. They're like, Ethan, Ethan. Oh my God. Oh my God. Go in there and get a confession from your dumbass murderer brother. This is why I think Ethan's urgency is a little less urgent about helping his brother. I think he thinks that he did it. Until Ethan walks in and Aaron like collapses into his arms hysterical saying like, this is the fucking craziest story. I know it doesn't make any sense. I'm telling the truth. I know it's the craziest thing. And Aaron is like shaking and crying and holding his brother for dear life. And I said, poor Ethan doesn't seem like a hugger to me. <laughs> poor Ethan is doing that thing with the thumb where he's doing like the windshield wiper thumb on, on Aaron's back. <laughs> trying to like. Oh, they're there. <laughs> yeah. But you guys, come on now. Everyone shut up because Daniel Bruce is here, okay? He doesn't take any shit from anybody. It's 6.30 in the morning. Brother Ethan is calling everyone in the phone book. Daniel's already at the office. He gets the call. He goes, hold on. Let me put my pants on. I'll be right there. The phone rings. I pick it up. He says, my name is Ethan Quinn. My brother's being held by the loyal police. He needs a lawyer right away. I said, okay, uh, 
I'll put my suit on. You guys, so this is the defense attorney that they, that the family hires for Aaron. And I said, why are the defense attorneys always the fucking comic relief in these things? Oh, my yeah, God. Daniel Russo from the Bronx, okay? <laughs> he says whatever he wants, JP. <laughs> and then he gets to the station and he tells us, I said to them, if he's not under arrest, it's time to say goodnight, Gracie. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a George Burns quote. Love it. But he tells the parents, look, there's no getting around it. This is a nightmare. You're never going to wake I- up from it. Welcome to the big leagues, baby. This is what we do in criminal defense. He's like, we need some sort of proof that Denise is still alive. And then later that day, 12.30 p.m., this is exactly what they get. So 12.30 p.m., March 24th, the San Francisco Chronicle, again, we're in Vallejo, you guys. Like, the fucking criminals love the San Francisco Chronicle. They get a message from the kidnapper with proof of life. And it's actually like a, it's like a voice memo of Denise. My name is Denise Huskins. I'm kidnapped. It's Denise's own voice. So we know that she is still alive. And she gives information relevant to present day. Earlier today, there was a plane crash in the house. She's saying, my name is Denise Huskins. I'm kidnapped. Other than that, I'm fine. (laughs) You tell them you're okay. You fucking tell them I'm treating you well. Other than that, I'm fine. (laughs) Like, how do I, how do I blink with my eyes with my voice that I'm not okay. <laughs> exactly. I'd be like, everything's great. We're camping. I'm super happy. I've given up alcohol. I'm fine. They have uns uns club music playing. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I'm surrounded by cats and I'm not sneezing. <laughs> like all things that are just... Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, so Denise is alive. So the cops call Aaron back in. The same cops who were convinced that Denise is dead and Aaron killed her. And then we learn oh wait the cops took Aaron's phone and the cops themselves put Aaron's phone on airplane mode which means you're getting no messages no notifications no service at all and the thing that's important to know about that is that when Aaron voluntarily gave them his phone he told them in no uncertain terms the kidnappers are going to call this phone they're calling this phone anytime that fucking Colonel Mustard dipshit puts the phone on airplane mode puts it away and then interrogates Aaron like he's the killer the minute they turn off airplane mode, bing, 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 it's like fucking Vegas. There's like a hundred fucking text messages. And all of the messages are from the fucking kidnapper. Like, they've missed all of this communication. They're like, hello. And when, when Aaron doesn't call them, they go to the fucking Chronicle to do it. <laughs> They're like, it worked for Zodiac. Let's see if Graysmith is still there. So then we oh, hear you guys, from- Pull over. Pull over. So Jane, Denise's mom, she tells the cop, they're like asking about Denise and telling about her life story or whatever. And she tells the police that when Denise was very young, she was molested on a camping trip. But Mustard is fishing for this because he says to them, did anything traumatic ever happen to Denise in her younger lifetime? He's looking for some sort of information like this. Detective Mustard tells me that those that have this molestation happen want to relive it and experience the thrill of it again. I was dumbstruck. Relive the thrill of the experience. Let me tell you, as a survivor of multiple assaults, that's not a thing. Fuck off, Mustard. Fuck right off. This is like the first of like five moments in the episode where we get Detective Mustard denies making this statement. (laughs) I'm sure he does. How dare you say that? To the parents of- The mother of the missing girl is going to make that up. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. So then, like, the point is, the cops just refuse to work the case because now they have proof of life, but they still want to pin it on Aaron. They don't want to investigate and do their job because they're like, oh, 
It's a hoax. Yep. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be a hoax. And I'm like, can you just take a drive around the area? Could you do something? Could you investigate for, like, literally if you investigated for one hour, we would have avoided this entire second half of this episode. Because now right. it's Wednesday, March 25th. Denise has been missing for 48 hours. And she just turns up in Huntington Beach, which is where she grew up, which is 400 miles from where she was kidnapped. And the story just explodes. Now, Russo, the defense attorney from the Bronx, he's the first of all of these idiots to call the story sexy. When Denise Huskins reappears, this story explodes. It was so sexy. That bizarre kidnapping case that looked like a real life gone girl. Oh, it was sexy. sexy. We got, got, then he goes, <laughs> we got Nancy Grace. Oh. Cut to Nancy Grace. It's a real life gone girl. <laughs> and I'm like, God, it's not. So here's what happened. The kidnapper drives her to Huntington Beach, 400 miles away, where she grew up, gives her sunglasses, yeah. lets her out of the car, gives her her bags, tells her to count to 10, and then he drives away. And I'm like, has anyone seen Clueless? He count to 100. Right. And also, she has no idea where she is, because the entire drive, this 400-mile drive, she's being given the sedative again. She's in and out of consciousness. She takes the tape off of her eyes. She looks up and sees the sign for Utica Street, which is the street that she fucking grew up on. It's her childhood home. It's her childhood home. But get this, she like walks the 500 feet to her childhood home, knocks on her mother's door. No one's there. They're all in Vallejo looking for her. Then she tries to go to her dad's house. She leaves a voicemail for her dad. Her parents are in Vallejo. Her dad gets the voicemail, doesn't call back, calls the cops instead because they've been so fucking great at this. They play phone tag. No one can get each other on the phone. It's like maddening. I get to his house. I knock on the door. Nothing. And then his neighbor says, can I help you? And I said, I'm looking for my dad. Denise goes to the neighbor's home and asks to use the restroom. When I came out, there were already two officers from Huntington Beach Police Department and said, you know, are you Denise Huskins? The neighbor invites her in. She asks to use the bathroom. She comes out of the bathroom and there's these two, like, these two cops are there to question her. And we, like, we hear them questioning her and they don't believe her. This yeah. woman's been kidnapped for 48 hours. And they're like, how huh, suspicious you've got your coat and your overnight bag with you. How'd that happen? And she's like, because they gave it to me. But what they're not acknowledging is that Aaron's story and Denise's story are exactly the same. Right. And to them, they're like, well, of course it is. Right. Of course it's the same because it's a hoax. They saw a movie and read a book <laughs> right. and tried to do this thing. <laughs> Killian Flynn, the fucking royalties of it all. God. But like, the thing is, also Denise doesn't know that nobody is believing the story. She doesn't know that this is like a national fucking story at the time. And so like the cops are saying like, all right, well, we want to bring you downtown because we want the detectives to interview you. And she's like, I'd actually kind of like to a lawyer first and then her cousin shows up and he is a lawyer and suddenly she feels like safe again because now all of a sudden she's got her family and he's a lawyer and he kind of starts running the ship for her. Nick, her cousin, who is the attorney, starts talking to Detective Mustard. And the first thing Mustard tells him is we'll give immunity to whoever confesses first to like making this whole thing up basically. And Denise is like, what? Detective Mustard has denied making this offer. And it becomes very clear to her very quickly that she is actually in a legally precarious situation. It was obvious that I needed to get a defense attorney. This is where Denise says, like, now it's clear that I needed to get, like, a defense attorney. Like, thank you so much, cuz, who probably does, like, real estate law. <laughs> but also, like, thanks for coming and also, like, pointing me in the direction of Douglas Rappaport. So now he's her new lawyer and he's like, shut up. You don't talk to anybody because the FBI is like, why don't you come on our fancy private jet? And he's like, you don't you don't take their plane. No, you fucking you no. fly commercial and you shut up and you get on JetBlue and I'll see you later. 
extra legroom, I'm hoping. She's been through an ordeal. Yeah, Doug, can you spring for the mint or whatever it is, whatever <laughs> the first class is on JetBlue or what have you? So because Denise is doing what she should, which is not talking to anybody, yeah. the media is like, what an emotional, hysterical, difficult, stupid woman. What a yes. stupid girl she is. How dare she not run her mouth on camera so we can totally make her out to be the enemy here. Yeah, 100%. So we meet this amazing woman. She's a sergeant at the Alameda County Sheriff's Department. My name is Misty Caruso. I am a sergeant at the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. Before I became a detective, I was obsessed with watching 2020. Put a pin in her. She loves 2020. She's one of us. I was going to say, but what was she doing before she was a sergeant? Her words, I was obsessed with 2020. We see you, Misty, and we love you. Let the women do the work. And so now we go back to the day that Denise was released from her kidnapper, and there's a press conference held by a guy named Lieutenant Kenny Park. I really appreciate your time coming in. The Vallejo Police issued a press release even before that press conference, basically saying this it was an orchestrated event. So the reporters were already geared up for this to be a lot of drama at this press conference. Have you ever seen people going so far out of their way to not do their jobs? Like, I it's know, so weird that I know, this, I know. this is the hill they want to die on. Like, they're doing press conferences about it. Also, I went to high school with a kid named Kenny Park, and I was like, Kenny, no. But it's not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was so worried. But like they're saying the whole premise of this press conference was that the kidnapping had never happened. The two of them were lying. They're now blaming Aaron and Denise for wasting county resources. They're demanding apologies from this And they're people? saying no one's investigating. Kenny Park is like, we're not looking into this. No one has spoken to Denise yet. They haven't spoken to her because she's in a fucking airplane flying to meet her defense attorney because you guys are trying to fucking ruin her life. Right. And the reporters are like, we accept all of this blindly. We That's awesome. Right. Thank you for the information. Nancy Grace is leading the press corps. Nancy Grace loves this. <laughs> Shit. She's like, this is what I get up for every fucking day. <laughs> and then this Kenny Park guy's like, oh, also, criminal charges are going to get brought against them, probably. Yeah. Well, let's just see. Stay tuned. Like, keep your Stay eyes tuned. here. It's like, again, this is the hill you must die on. What a weird fucking it thing. It just seems like it would be so much easier to look into it for an hour if they just took his phone, got some fucking data, and like traced the fucking call the way that you do. If Rabia can do it, certainly you can. Look through the phone. I don't right. understand. I don't understand. I know. It's so weird. But also, Denise knows nothing about this press conference. She knows nothing that she's being victim blamed because she's been in the air. She gets to the airport in San Francisco or whatever. She like is taken right to her lawyer's office. And the lawyer says straight up, like, I didn't believe her right away. Like, I needed to walk through her story with her a hundred times. It would have been naive of me to just believe her blindly. And the thing is... I mean, they get past that pretty quickly because Denise loves her lawyer, Doug, and confides in him about some things that really happened that she didn't tell the cops. She told me that she did not tell the officers two things because he told her, do not mention these two things. And she was petrified of this person. One, that he was in the Marines, and two, that she had been raped. So we get a little more into what happened to her. I'd love to go through it as fast as possible. Yeah, like, the long and the short of it is, like, this guy is saying to her, because you're the wrong person, because you're not the ex-fiance, we have no collateral on you. We have nothing that's going to make it so we know you're going to comply. We have all of that on the ex-fiance, none of that on you. So one of us has to have sex with you, so we'll have a sex tape that if you ever go to the police, we can put on the internet to humiliate you. He has sex with her one time he says it has to look real and then he like comes back hours later and says that didn't look real enough we have to do it again and here's the thing i'm not minimizing it i'm just saying like we don't need to dwell on these horrible details of what happened to denise no i agree because yeah. let's just get the guy yeah. i love yeah. when they get the guy <laughs> let's go back with misty and get the guy 
So we're back with Denise in her attorney's office, and she was there from 9 p.m. until 5 a.m. the next morning. And the lawyer's like, hey, let's do a uh, sexual assault exam. What do we think about that? You know, like, the quickest way we could prove that this woman has been raped and kidnapped? Let's get a sexual assault exam on her. They said, you know, we need to speak to her first. We'll talk to her tomorrow, and then we'll determine whether or not we'll set up that exam. And according to court filings, when Denise's attorney asked for that exam, Vallejo police initially disregarded that request. They refuse. The cops refuse. And they're like, no, no, no. We want to talk to her first. And then we're going to decide when we get the sexual assault exam. I'm like, do they not see the irony and the consent of it all here? Do they not understand what they're actually saying to her right now? And because they just don't believe her. And like this woman has been so traumatized. And the lawyer is trying to say like she's exhausted. She's been up for 24 hours. And the cops have the fucking audacity to say to the, to the lawyer, just tell her to go home and sleep in her clothes and not shower. We'll get back to her in the morning. There is not a woman in that building no at all where they work like not on the force there's not a woman in a 30 block radius there's no. it's unbelievable to tell a rape victim to keep on her clothes and not shower by the way this is like our third vallejo has denied this account <laughs> and like you, you fucking better you dumb bitch like what are, like you know what i mean what is he gonna say like i actually did tell the rape victim to not <laughs> The first time I heard this, I could not believe like the turn of events. They don't believe the husband, fine. They think he killed her, fine. That happens. Then she shows up saying she's been raped, and they don't believe her either. Who are these people? And then they make her stay in those clothes and not shower for two days. They're treating her like a suspect. There's no compassion. There's no understanding. They believed she was a criminal, and they were treating her like that. Literally, the FBI agent says to the attorney, you know what? You should watch Gone Girl. It would really explain a lot. To which I said, or he could read the book. Or read the book and don't get the book with the movie cover on it. No, I don't want to see Ben Affleck no, anywhere. No. And then Denise is like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm like the one person on earth who didn't read that book that everyone was obsessed about for that one year. Like, I know, I know everyone knew I the know. story, but I, I couldn't relive it if I tried. I no. didn't read it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not a big Ben Affleck fan. So by March 26th, the Chronicle gets another email. On Thursday, March 26th, the San Francisco Chronicle receives another email, and it is filled with details about the kidnapping. The author of the email writes, it isn't a hoax, they're not lying. It's the kidnappers saying, how dare you? We are rapists. This is not a hoax. We are rapists, and we yes. want the fucking credit. And truly. So they send explicit details, photos, and all of this stuff, like crimes leading up to the kidnapping. They call themselves Ocean's Eleven Gentlemen Criminals. This is psychotic. Even Aaron is like, I actually think he really wanted to defend us, but he also wanted credit for all the insane shit that he did. And the craziest part, not the craziest part, but a crazy part, right. is that the email comes in <laughs> while Denise is being interviewed slash harassed by the FBI or whatever. So yes. it's like, Aaron's in custody, she's in custody. They're not sending the emails. Like, believe the rapist. I never thought thought I'd say believe the rapist. Oh. When a rapist shows you who he is, believe him. <laughs> believe them. I also want to say too, like it can't be that hard to trace a fucking email address. Maybe I'm wrong. The Chronicle has been tracing correspondence <laughs> that has been sent to them since the 60s. Could you just, like, have you ever seen a bunch of people who didn't want to do their jobs or find the guy? Like, I can't. I can't. I know. So weeks pass. There's no suspects. Aaron and Denise are back living together. And to be them at this time, because they know the police are not investigating. Right. Everyone thinks they did it. And they fucking know the killer is out there on the loose. And there's another guy. There are two of them. Yeah, totally. They could come back at any fucking moment. Like, they're living in utter terror. 
terror. And so now we cut to June 5th, 2015. It's two months later. And there's a home invasion in a town called Dublin, California. Who knew there was a Dublin, California top of the morning to you? Not me, but thank you. No, me either. This is kind of amazing. It's an older couple. They wake up in the middle of the night. There's bright flashlights in their faces. The laser beams pointing at them. Yeah, the same exact story. Get up. This is a robbery. Except when the guy, the, the intruder goes to put the zip ties on the old lady. The old man jumps up and starts beating the ass of the intruder. With a flashlight. So we hear the woman's on 911. She's like, my husband's fighting them off with a flashlight and I'm hiding in the bathroom. Superheroes, these two. County emergency. We had a break-in. They are out there right now. My husband's fighting with them. I just broke loose. I'm hiding in the bathroom right now. I gotta tell you, the tone of her voice even still is like, fuck, my husband is awesome. <laughs> and these are like, a, it's an older couple. This guy, this intruder is a fucking Marine, and this old man is beating his ass and chasing him out of the house. Oh my God. And the suspect runs away, but you know what? He forgot his cell phone. Oh my God. I said, people are so fucking stupid. When you're a raping home invader and you're going to just put the cell phone down and forget it there. I love it. I'm celebrating that. I love that. I love it too. It's But it's but wild. It's, I know. It, there's a lot of like, oh, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of feelings. So they track down the owner of the phone. His name is Matthew Muller and he had just lost his phone the day before, says his mother. His mother. <laughs> his mother is like, oh, let me tell you all about my son, Maddie. Maddie was a Marine. Remember what Denise said? Frogman. Yeah, a frogman. <laughs> he was doing great. He w- went to Harvard. He was a lawyer. And then by 2015, his life is kind of a mess. He's diagnosed with bipolar. And I guess he didn't get treatment or medication because he's eventually disbarred for not giving a client their money. He like refused to give his client 1200 bucks. He's a Harvard Law School lawyer. 1200 bucks he gets disbarred. I love I know. it. His mom's like, also, do you need him? He's right up. He's in Lake Tahoe if you need to talk to him. Do you need to? <laughs> he's at our family cabin in Lake Tahoe. You guys, that sounds fancy. This is not a fancy cabin. Holy moly. <laughs> so Misty, 2020's biggest fan, yes. he's now a sergeant. Yes, yes. She's one day away from being a sergeant girl, but she gets a call. Misty Karasu was still a day away from be officially being a detective. But when her boss called and asked her if she'd like to go to South Lake Tahoe for one of their cases for a search, she said, sure, I'm there. They're like, Misty, you want to come on? You want to start a day early, girl? Yeah. And she's like, fuck, yes, I do. I've been waiting my whole, I've been watching 2020 for 10 years, waiting for this moment. Totally. So she goes up there and she's like, typical cabin in the woods. I'm like, Misty, oh my God, she really does watch 2020. She goes in. The place is a mess. Yeah. And Matthew is there. You guys, Matthew is there. Like, how fucking terrible, how dun-dun-dun is that? Oh, my God. Right. And they're like, do you know why we're here? And he's like, absolutely, I do. I 100% know why you're here. So they search the house, and Misty's like, I hate everything. I hate everything we found. Let me go through the list. They found masks, stun guns, laptops, phones. Some of these things were hidden, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. A stolen Ford Mustang. Oh, my uh, God. Blow-up dolls were in the trunk of that car. Zip ties, duct tape, squirt guns, laser pointers. Oh, and swim goggles with uh, black duct tape on them. And one of the goggles has a blonde hair strand in it. And this is what where Misty's like, hang on a second. Because the older couple that he just tried to do this to, they were like an older couple. They did not have long blonde hair. Clearly, Misty's connected. She's not even on day one. She's on day negative one of her job. And she's already <laughs> yeah. connected the dots. She's like, this motherfucker has done this before. And I'm going to fucking get this guy. Right. And she's like, oh, also, by the way, who owns that white Mustang? Because yeah. it's a stolen car. So they look into who owns it. And when they find the guy, he's like, 
You know what's weird? You guys, he's a fucking college student who owns this car. He blows the case wide open. Yeah, he's like, what's? I remember actually exactly when it was stolen because it was right when that like Gone Girl hoax thing uh-huh, was happening. Uh-huh. So I remember it because it was like all over the news and I read the book. I didn't see the movie. <laughs> right. But yeah, does that is that anything? Missy's like, what are you talking about? She connects the dots. I wrote, Missy goes to the Goog machine. She doesn't even yet know how to use the police internet. She goes to the regular internet. She probably doesn't have her email yet. She's no. a day early. She doesn't have access to anything. Let the women do the work, Misty. Yes. So she calls Vallejo. It takes forever for these fucking idiot cops to call her back. But they finally do call her back. And she's like, you guys, I think that thing that you thought was a hoax isn't a hoax. Come look at our evidence from this guy. And they come and they're like, oh my God, every single thing lines up. Number one, they find Aaron's laptop in the mix of all the shit they found at that guy's house. They find the blonde hair, the goggles Denise was talking about, all of the shit that Aaron and Denise have been saying, they find in this trove of evidence that Misty is presenting to them. The GPS information, like the GPS map went to Utica Avenue where Denise was dropped off. Like, it's so clear. It was clear 20 minutes ago. It was clear two hours ago, but. (laughs) So then the reporters who are such fucking trash, they're like, another twist. It actually was never a hoax. Even Lady Anderson Cooper's like, and another twist in the bizarre, in the bizarre Gone Girl thing. Like, if you say Gone, it's not Gone Girl. It's just not. It's just like it's it's also just not. Yeah. And so then, like, cut to 2015, and Denise and Aaron and the two like dynamic duo lawyers, they do their own press conference. Dan Russo and Doug Rappaport are taking turns back and forth, just pummeling the Vallejo Police Department. Had you asked some very important basic questions, which Vallejo Police Department, it just completely went over their head. I mean, there were just so many factors that they could have looked to, to determine that, geez, maybe Denise and Aaron are telling the truth. But no, they were so stuck in supporting their snap judgment. And this is just like beautiful, gorgeous (laughs) chef's kiss karma at work because they're like, oh, no, no, we want our apologies. And they're totally turning the tables and they're like attacking the cops. It's just beautiful. So we jumped to Sacramento in 2017 and Matthew Muller, the bad guy, is charged in federal court. He's charged with kidnapping for ransom and he's not charged for the sexual assaults because apparently there's no jurisdiction in federal court for those crimes. Okay, great. Thanks. And so like they get this one guy, Matthew Muller, but like Denise knows there was at least one other guy there that night and no one's even looking for him. Yeah, no one has any idea. And Denise is like, well, that's just yet another thing I have to live with. Thank you so much, Vallejo police. So like after the cops refuse to apologize or admit any wrongdoing, Aaron and Denise sue the city. They end up settling for $2.5 million, girl. Yeah, but the city doesn't (laughs) say anything publicly. They write them like a formal I'm sorry apology letter, which is definitely not good enough at all. But here we are. And then, like, the big thing for Denise is, like, March 16th, 2017, almost exactly two years from the night that she was kidnapped, they come face-to-face with Mueller at his sentencing. So he pleaded guilty. He received a 40-year sentence. And Denise says to the judge, for healing purposes, Your Honor, I'm going to address Matthew Mueller directly. She, like, turns and stares him in the eye because she's saying, like, I was blindfolded the whole time I was with him. He never looked into my eyes during the kidnapping. He's got to look into my eyes today. Now we meet face-to-face, eye-to-eye. I am Denise Huskins, the woman behind the blindfold. I'm not victim F, the real life gone girl, a hoaxer, just a body to take, a random life. No, I am none of those things. I am Denise Huskins. So Aaron and Denise, they work through all their trauma and their past relationship issues and they get married. Detective Misty was there. The lawyer, lawyer Doug officiates it. And Daniel Russo from the Bronx, he goes, look, I hate weddings. 
The only emotion I like to show is anger, and I'm fucking great at it. But it was a very nice uh, thing. He can't even say, like, ceremony, reception, event. It was a very nice uh, thing. I think- <laughs> and, you know, two tree appetizers, I'm on my way. It was very nice. Oh, you guys, we did, what's it called? Taken? Taken. Taken from 2020. Look, they had a daughter a couple years later, and Denise said that that made her feel whole and complete again. Her birthday is the five-year anniversary of Denise's release from being kidnapped. How beautiful is that? Isn't that crazy? You guys, this is a crazy bananas one. You should go watch it. You can listen to the podcast version, too, the way I did. Uh, If you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this goddamn second. Yeah, right now. Do not delay. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. We are playing Broadway April 11th. If you got your tickets, I hope we're going to see you there. If you you yes. have tickets and you can't make it, get to the Facebook group and get those tickets to somebody who wants to go. People are looking to buy tickets. Uh, that's where you can do it. Yeah, and it's highly monitored, so you're not making a profit. You're just, like, getting Yeah, t- no, you're doing the right thing. Everyone's yeah. doing a nice thing for other people. People are coming from Scotland for the Broadway show, I, I saw. Know. Oh, <laughs> my God. Um, girl, what are we doing next? We are doing Butcher Baker, Mind of a Monster, courtesy of ID. Yes, ID. We love you, girl. Um, Listen, follow Jillian at Jillian with a G on all the things. Follow me on Instagram at Patrick Hines underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Patrick Hines. Follow True Crime Obsessed at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Instagram. Wow. do you? I don't think you even need me for the end of this. <laughs> I'd like to say I love you to our listeners, but you okay. got everything covered. I'll say it first and you say it last. So you're the last thing to hear. Listeners, oh. I love you. Oh, I love you too. That was nice. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. On the surface, Robert C. Hansen led a normal life. We spent two days with this guy, looking right across from him like I am from you, across the table. He ran a bakery downtown, a family man who liked to fly, liked to hunt. Getting him to talk about what he'd been doing. But Robert Hansen had a darker side. I said, my God, Bob, what if it goes wrong again? State troopers have said that up to 12 women could be victims. I need help. Bodies were dumped in shallow graves. God, I want to help them much more. I found myself back up town looking again. Damn it, it's just like a moth is drawn up a light. It scared me. offense to your rich childhood, Jillian. I'm sure you grew up with eight bathrooms. I know. The okay, point fine. Is... <laughs> Email address that they like specifically set up for what it's like fucking home intruder robbery at gmail.com. Like right. they said you know what I underscore mean? no dot home intruder dot robbery at gmail. <laughs> you said that word again? When they turn off airplane mode. What? See, no, you're saying aeroplane. Because one day you said aeroport, and I asked you if you were saying, and you're like, no, I said airport. airport. And I'm like, okay, and then I listened back to it, and you said aeroport. Aer- you say aeroplane and aeroport. <laughs> well, you say tour, and I don't give you shit for it. God. You want me to do this fucking episode or not? <laughs> Because you correct. As soon as I call you on it, you correct yourself. You know why? Because when I say it, I slow down. When I'm saying it fast, I have no control. We're going to get an aeroplane. That's why sometimes the Queens comes out because I don't know what I'm saying. 